0: This is My Seminary Life, episode 15, and I'm your host, Brandon Knight. And in today's episode, I will be sharing with you my testimony. Enjoy! Welcome back, everybody. Today we are kicking off the second half of our summer semester as we cover some of my old sermons. Back at the beginning of the summer, when I announced that we don't have a class to take together throughout this semester, we took it to a vote, and it was voted that for the first half we would be doing some uh, C.S. Lewis studying, and then on this second half, we would revisit some of my old sermons. And so I've sat down and I've picked out a handful of my old sermons that, uh, honestly, some of them are going to go way back. We're talking we're talking way back on some of these. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you the high-level bullet points, uh, some of the illustrations, quotes, whatever, whatever I think is interesting, maybe talk about some of the changes that I've made since sitting down and looking back over this material, because obviously my... My theology has grown since I've taught some of these sermons years and years and years ago. And then finally, uh, well, ultimately what I'm going to do is I'm going to share the stories behind a lot of these sermons. A lot of these early on preaching opportunities, they were very unique. They were, um, the the situation leading up to why I was preaching this sermon is almost as interesting, if not more interesting, than the sermon itself. I'm really excited to share these uh, share these stories I'm really excited that people want to hear these and it was it was very flattering I just kind of put that as an option up because I wanted four options I was surprised so many people picked that one so um, and at the uh, at the suggestion of my wife we're gonna start today with my testimony the show is growing we're starting to get people who have no idea who I am this kind of started out as friends and families to friend and family to tune in and hear what I have to say about schooling starting to grow a little bit getting people that I don't even know who are listening to this show so today would be a good episode to kind of get my whole story out there and luckily this is actually a sermon I have officially written so we're going to start today with my testimony. This is gonna run through the month of July into about mid-August. I think we're gonna take a week off in August and then we'll be kicking off with the fall semester. It will be a good time. So, testimony. Time to share my testimony with you all. A testimony is more than just your conversion but the, your entire life from the from that point forward and this sermon that i have really covers not just not just my conversion to christ and my my journey with christ since that point but my call to ministry and also just where i see myself at now with ministry as well So, during the early days of my preaching ministry, before I actually get into the the sermon itself, during the early days of my preaching ministry, my parents were like my booking agents. And I I mean that in all sincerity, and I'm very thankful for that. That's not a slam on my parents at all. They were totally my booking agents, and I appreciate it so much that they were, because I was uh, finishing up college, and I was... I had just taken my preaching class and I was loving it loved preaching, love standing in front of people and talking to them about what I've been studying in the word and my my parents they would tell every pastor they know after a while I made business cards and they would hand out my business card to any pastor that they came across and say, "Hey, my son, he does this thing where he goes to churches whether they need." You know, pulpit supply because the pastor's on vacation or sabbatical, or you know maybe the church doesn't have a pastor, or maybe you just want a Sunday off. Here's his business card. Here's his number. Give him a call. He'd be happy to do it. And a lot of my early on preaching opportunities were because of my parents going way out of their way to try and get me some some uh, preaching opportunities. Some of them have turned into long-term commitments there's one church uh, the one that I preached at earlier this uh, earlier in June that was my mom my mom knew the pastor from uh, the school that she the, the Christian school she teaches at and told him about me gave him my business card he texted me and I've been preaching there for years now because of that well in this particular story, My dad was good friends with a pastor of a church that was down the road from them in Hammond had been good friends with him for years now. I think, I mean, we lived in the same house. They still live in the same house in Hammond, uh, since I was, before I was born, I was, they moved in right before I was born, I believe. So they've been there. So he's known the pastor for years now, told him about me and Pastor reached out and said, hey, would you like to come to a Sunday night service sometime? And I am not a person to say no to that type of, I i I think I have only said no one time. And it was during last year when I was quarantining for, a, I, I wasn't positive with COVID at this point, but I was quarantining, waiting on the results. And a pastor I knew called me and was like, hey, I have to quarantine because my son came into contact. Can you preach this Sunday? I was like, no, I'm doing the same thing, but I don't have a son. I just, you know, my work. Anyway, so that's like the only time I've ever had to say no to a preaching opportunity. I, I always say yes. And so I had to sit down and determine I, I didn't really know the church. I knew him and his wife. I knew the pastor and his wife. But I didn't really know the church congregation all that well. And so I had to sit down and decide what did I want to say to a group of believers that I did not know at all. Now, here's a couple things that you need to know about my preaching ministry. Just a couple of fun things that you need to know. First off, I love Sunday night services. If you're a pastor and you need a guy to come in and preach on a Sunday night sometime soon, give me a call. Drop into my DMs. I don't care. We'll figure it out. I love Sunday night services. They're kind of passé now. They're not really like a thing that a lot of churches do. I would have thrived like back in the 70s and 80s when Sunday Sunday night service was more of a thing. I I love it. It is I love the environment. You know, Sunday morning is when people are coming for the meat and potatoes of the Word of God. Like they, they are hungry for an experience with God through His Word. But Sunday nights is just so, so chill. Sunday nights is more of my atmosphere. I'm ready to go on Sunday morning, but Sunday night is more my atmosphere. I love how laid back it is. I love that the flexibility. I could preach a straight sermon. I could do something that's more facilitating of discussion. I could, you know, be more creative and free with my notes or the topics that we're going to talk about. I That's definitely more my environment. It's somewhere in between a Sunday morning service and then Sunday school, small groups, Wednesday night worship, you know, usually in those environments, you have a little bit more freedom. Maybe you're following like a curriculum or something. But that Sunday night, that is my sweet spot. So if you need a guy, let me know. The other thing you need to know is that I take very seriously the decision of what I am going to preach at a church. I just don't have like four sermons that I cycle through all the time. I will write new material if I have to. I'm a pack rat, so I have... Years already worth of sermons sitting in a literal paper folder that I need to convert over to digital, which is part of the reason why we're doing this series. Um, but I, I take it very seriously what I'm going to preach because that one Sunday, that small 20, 30, 45 minute slot that I am going to be investing into a congregation, I want to make sure that what I have to say is relevant to that congregation. I just don't want to go up there and preach a general gospel sermon or a general God loves you sermon. Like maybe that's something the congregation needs. That's fine. But seriously, if the congregation has an issue with tithing or whatever, something, whatever, if I will make, I will write a sermon to meet that need. I usually try to sit down and talk to, the pastor, or if there is no pastor, the head elder, or whoever is in charge there, they kind of get the tone, you know, what is the church's vision, what is the church's mission in the world, what is, you know, what are some strengths of the church, what are some weaknesses of this body of Christ, I want to probe those questions, I'll even ask like, hey, you know, what would you encourage me to talk about, and the pastors always give me, I love this. They always give me this, you know, well, whatever the Holy Spirit, you know, leads you to, which is absolutely going to happen. But hey, there's 66 books and a lot of chapters. Just narrow it down for me a little bit. I don't want to show up with the passage that you just preached on last week after all. So all that to say, I take it very seriously. And a lot of times, sometimes I have to sit on it for a while. But a lot of times when I know there is a Preaching opportunity coming up, and I think about that church and I think about it, you know, all that stuff, the strengths, the weaknesses, the vision, blah, 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 blah. Usually, a passage will start to sit on my heart. Or maybe I heard a sermon, or read a book, or listened to a podcast, and something will stick in my mind, and I'll start studying it, and I'll think about this church and think, okay, I think this message needs to go to this church. That happened very recently. At the end of July, I'm going to be preaching at a church in uh, Griffith. And there was a podcast I was listening to like a month or two ago, talked about a passage I had preached years ago, kind of sat down with the material, looked it over, read through the passage again. I was like, this is something I think this church needs to hear. So, that, that kind of gives you a taste of how my flow works. Sometimes it's really complicated like that. Other times it's like I'm doing my devotions and something stands out. I'm like, yep, this, this is what this church needs to hear. So anyway, uh, back to the story. So on that summer evening, it was me, my dad, and two of my friends, Joe and Ralph, headed over to this little church in Hammond. Uh, we met down in their basement There was a couple tables set up and some chairs more towards the back so people could plop down. I don't remember how many people were there. I would say 20 tops. It was a small group, and that's fine. That's the other part I like about Sunday Night Services is that they're usually a smaller group. It's very very close-knit. It's very intimate. I like that. And... What I had decided to do was, since this was a body of believers that I had no real connection with, didn't really know them too well, I decided that I was going to share my testimony with them. I figured, let me tell you my story. And not only let me tell you, let me tell you my story, but here's my call to ministry. And in my, my call to ministry is kind of where I turn it from just my general story to a little bit of a a little bit more of a preaching sermon to give them, uh, some spiritual refreshment on top of that. Following that time. So I, I preach, I preach the lesson and I'll, I'll give you the sermon here in a second, but I preach the sermon and then the pastor stands up and I have, I've never done this since then. The pastor stands up and says, okay, well, now that we finished up and since Brandon's a young ministry guy, let's, uh, Let's have a little Q&A time. If anyone has any questions that they would like to ask Brandon, go right ahead. I've never done a Q&A since then. I, I've never had that opportunity where people are like, you seem like you know something. Answer these questions. There wasn't too many questions. One that really stood out to me was someone, part of my story, as some of you may know, is my walk with my mental health. And so somebody asked a question about, uh, Digging in a little bit deeper, I can't remember the question exactly, but they wanted to dig in a little deeper about how I have handled my mental health issues in the past, past, and how that could help this congregation, because apparently, something I didn't know at the time, that congregation had a lot of mental health issues. And I've never gotten an opportunity to go back and preach at this little church in Hammond, but I... If I could, even now, even though it's six years later or more, I don't remember now, I still probably would go back with a sermon on mental health. I may take that I preached earlier in June on grieving and processing. I may take something like that because it does talk a little bit about, you know, sitting in depression and what we do with our pain and things like that anyway besides the point so then my sermon that evening went a little like this <clears throat> i opened talking about why it is good to share testimonies it is it is fun to talk about i enjoy sharing my testimony about what jesus has done in my life sharing our stories builds community and vulnerability and they bring strength and encouragement to the body here I wanted to share my story, my call to ministry, and a word and of encouragement from scripture. I used to think, honestly, that my testimony was really boring, because up until college, honestly, up until college, I always thought that my testimony was my conversion to Christ, which I got saved when I was five. So I don't have that like gut-wrenching, I was a drug addict, and in prison, and... Destroying everything in my path, and then Jesus saved me, and now everything's different. Like I, I don't have that testimony. I, it, and like I said, it wasn't until college where it, it finally was communicated to me. Of like, no, your testimony is your whole story and walk with Jesus from the moment of conversion till now. So it just so happens that my testimony actually spans the bulk of my life. So here's the abridged version. <laughs> Like I say, like I said, I was saved when I was five years old. It was Easter weekend of nineteen ninety-nine. Now you can figure out how old I am. And I was hearing a lot, and my parents were Christians. They took me to church every time the doors were open. So I was hearing a lot about Jesus, but I did not understand why he had to die for me specifically. And so I and so I sat down with my parents that evening. To ask them questions. I had all these questions about like, why did Jesus have to die for me? And they helped me understand my need for a savior that I was living in sin, even though I was a little boy and my need for my sins to be forgiven through the blood of Jesus Christ by prayer and faith in him. And that's what I did. I prayed that Jesus would forgive me and that he would be my Lord and savior. The end. No sinner's prayer, you know, little five-year-old bumbling and stumbling through the prayer, and that is when I was saved. From that point, God gave me a desire to study His Word. I was that kid in Sunday school and VBS and Awana who memorized all the verses and got all the cool prizes, but it wasn't for the cool prizes. It wasn't just for the cool prizes. It was because I loved memorizing verses. That's how nerdy I was. I loved studying God's Word, even as a little boy. And I treasured all of that up. I was hungry to learn His Word. Some Sometime around middle school, high school, is when I began to feel the tug towards ministry. I had a lot of Sunday school teachers and other people in my life uh, up until that point speak into the, you know, they saw how hungry I was to study God's word. And I was asking questions in Sunday school that relatively speaking to my age were a little bit above where I should be asking questions at, you know. Um, and they spoke into like, oh, maybe you're going to be a pastor someday. But I really felt the tug towards ministry it was like eighth grade, freshman year, some somewhere around there. It was at summer camp, Twin Lakes Camp for all you uh, Indiana people. It seems like everybody in Northwest and Central Indiana has gone to Twin Lakes Camp at some point. Uh, it was at Twin Lakes Camp. I have the decision card sitting in my preaching Bible now, and I it, there's like a you're supposed to write the reason why you're filling out this decision card. And I said I wrote something down like because God has called me to do something. Like I wasn't really even sure what it was that God was calling me to do, but I knew I knew it was something. I knew there was something there. In uh life changed when I got to high school, about midway through. During my time in high school, I started to struggle with the, I will say the typical teen angst that a majority of teenagers go through changing of hormones, mental health issues, the whole nine yards. Like that was, that was me. The problem was, is that the mental health was a little bit worse than I was letting off. Actually, it was a lot worse than what I was letting on. Um, since high school, my mental health has gotten better. It's still, it's still a big area of my life that needs to grow. But I have not had dark days like I did in high school. And part of the problem was that I was that typical teenager who thought to himself, no one would understand, which is the biggest lie that any teenager could believe about their mental health struggle. If you are a teenager listening to this and you are having issues with mental health, please please tell someone. Talk to somebody about it. They will understand that you can find you there are people out there who will understand and will love you through this process. But I I didn't I had so many walls up. I could not let people into this. And the hardest part about it all is that I was still doing, quote, Christian things. I was going to church and reading my Bible and praying and doing those things more and more. I was making promises to God of like, take this away from me and I will do X, Y, Z. And nothing was changing. That, that way of Christian living wasn't, wasn't changing anything. In all, I was still feeling the call to ministry, and so in 2012, I followed that call all the way to Grace College in Winona Lake, Indiana, where I studied and received a Bachelor's of Arts in Biblical Studies. It was during that time at Grace College that God really used various ministries, friends, books, sermons, chapel speakers, and the biggest of them all being counseling, to really get me on track with my mental health. Like I said, this is still an area that I am growing in and understanding. And honestly, as difficult as the pandemic was, that was an area of that the pandemic has helped me grow exponentially more through it. But at that time, this is where the big breakthrough happened was when I was in college. And I began to see God so much bigger, and I began to see myself in a much more healthier way. I had a better understanding of who I was in light of Christ and in light of what God and who he is. It was a difficult process, but it was so worth it. And I I loved, I loved my three years at Grace College. I might do at one point, uh, next summer, I've got a free space for uh, some episodes, just whatever I want to do again. And I might just do a couple episodes of just telling stories from my time at Grace College because that was, that was so enjoyable. And I've got some good ones. Ask me about the time we stole all, all the pumpkins. Um, that's definitely not what you were expecting. I graduated from Grace College in 2015. I started a summer internship, a pastoral internship at a church in gary following that and that fall i started my job at gordon foods uh, where i am still employed to this day and i started seminary online with moody theological seminary in well it was online moody's in chicago and since 2014 i have been traveling from excuse me from church to church doing pulpit supply for churches who either don't have a pastor or they're on vacation or sabbatical. I talked about that a little bit earlier. And in 2016, I met Claire on Christian Mingle. Okay, so the original cut of this sermon ends there. It's at that point that I transition from my testimony over to the uh, over to the actual sermon part. That's a five-year gap from where we are where we are then to where we are now. I will fill in that five-year gap, but let me finish the actual sermon first and then we'll come back to it, okay? So, <clears throat> back, to, back to the sermon. At this point, I transition over to what was the theme verse for students at Moody Theological Seminary, because at that time, I was this was where I was at. I was at that school. Even though I don't go there now, I did connect with Ezra Ezra seven ten. In context, the people of Judah have been been allowed by Cyrus, king of Persia, to return to Jerusalem. They have rebuilt the temple and have celebrated the Passover. Now, Ezra has been sent over to teach the people the law of the Lord. This has been the very thing I have devoted my life to, the studying of the law of the Lord and the teaching of its people, which is what Ezra 7.10 says, is that, Ezra had committed himself to the studying of the law and the precepts of the law of the Lord and the teaching of those laws and statutes to the people of Israel. And I connected, and I still connect very closely to this idea of being devoted to the studying of the law of the Lord and the teaching of the commandments of God, of the whole word of God to his people. From there, I shared a quote from D.L. Moody, I have never seen a useful Christian who is not a student of the Bible. I wrap up the application and conclusion by bringing up 2 Peter 2, nine, which talks about believers being priests. And I encourage the congregation to take the initiative to continue studying Scripture and to encourage the body of Christ by sharing what we are learning about God and sharing the gospel with the lost world. Preaching may be more of the role of a pastor, but the studying of God's word and the declaration to the lost and to each other, what we know about him is a call for all of us. And that's it. That's the whole message. But like I said, there's like a five-year gap there. It ends in 2016, it's 2021, so allow me to connect the dots for you of what has happened since then. Honestly, I'm kind of thankful that this was the first sermon up that I was going to revisit and look back over, uh, because I... I needed to remind myself of Ezra seven ten this week. I really did. I needed to be reminded of my calling and purpose in this story. And you see, I, I've yet to get a ministry job. It's been six years out of college, seven years of preaching, three years of helping out with my youth group at church, Still no ministry job. And it's been I, I it's been a humbling process. It's been a difficult process. It's been a discouraging process. It's been very eye opening as well. You know, I I'm doing all I can. I've done all these different ministry things. I even have a podcast now. But the steps into vocational ministry has been a hard one for me, and very recently it's taken a very discouraging note for me. First, the good news. So, spoiler alert, that girl I met on Christian Mingle, I ended up marrying her. Claire and I got married in 2018. Uh, Unfortunately, due to financial reasons, I had to drop out of seminary right about that time as well. It was a hard decision, but I knew that if God if God wanted me to finish seminary, it would come back up. And spoiler, it has come back up. What a weird situation to be in. Marriage life has been great though. I don't regret I don't regret getting married, not at all. I love Claire. I love our life together. It's been great. I've enjoyed it. God has worked through us to minister to each other all the time. It almost seems like we're always going through some form of a growing process together. It's, it's been great. Not to say that we have a perfect marriage or anything, but I think as of right now, we've only been married for a short time. But as of right now, I would say, and I think she would agree that things have been going a lot better than maybe expected, especially considering that we lived through a pandemic. All throughout my journey to a pastoral position, I have been told that I do not have enough experience or the right experience. Uh, I've been the lack of a education, not having a master's degree, that has come up before as well. Which I did do something about that part, obviously. Because uh, back in the spring, I started seminary through Grace Theological Seminary online back at Grace, kind of maybe. I did have one of my the professor for my spiritual formation class was one of my profs during my undergrad. So that was nice. I was sitting on the idea of starting a podcast right around that time, too. And I decided to make this show because honestly, the episodes would basically write themselves. I don't really need to think of topics when there is a syllabus dictating my studying. I have applied to hundreds of church and ministry jobs over the past six years. Within the past couple months, I have had a little more success, but there is a new problem that has presented itself that I don't know what to do with. In pro wrestling, there's uh, this term called shoot and in a it, a shoot is when it, things stop being fake and they become very very real. Uh, they actually it actually turns into a fight or a wrestler goes off script and just starts saying what he actually thinks about a person or about a about a company. It's real life. To some extent, you can consider what I'm about ready to say a shoot on what I think about the hiring process for pastoral positions and how ministry students are encouraged to think about ministry and pastoral positions. I'm going to try and watch my words a little bit because I, I don't want this to be like a purely emotional response. And obviously, when you're in a position like me, it might be easier to say some of these things, but I, uh, yeah, so here we go. This is what I have to say. I think the way that churches go about hiring ministry leaders and how those of us who want to get into ministry are encouraged to think about vocational ministry is unbiblical. And the qualifications are often arbitrary. Not the qualifications that Paul tells Timothy to look for for an elder. Those are biblical and are the ones that we should definitely hold on to. But the education, the age, the experience, it it's all arbitrary. It really is. Because you don't know what a church, it, which one of those things that a church is really going to like value over another until after the fact. You know, for some churches, they've told me, yeah, you know, you don't have a master's degree. We don't really care. It's just that this other guy, you know, they have more experience. Or, well... You don't have a ma- master's, and honestly, we want a guy with an MDiv for this youth pastor position. Or even, you know, you're not 30 yet, so it's hard for us to pull the trigger for you for an associate. It's arbitrary, And that, that honestly used to be the part that really bothered me, but it's the hiring process that really bothers me now. Vocational ministry has been tainted by the American dream, in my opinion. You go to the right school, you get the right degrees, get so many internships as you can to get that experience points. You need that XP. Network, shake hands. Eventually, you get some entry-level job, like a residency or the assistant to the XYZ, or a youth pastor, because honestly, we all know people who think of youth pastors as that guy who isn't quite good enough to be a pastor yet, to be a senior pastor. They're just not good enough yet. You get more XP, get that more experience, maybe bounce around a bit to get better opportunities at bigger churches until finally you are the CEO, senior pastor of a church. That is the American dream if you are a pastor. Now, don't get me wrong, I know p- plenty of guys, plenty of guys who love to minister first. They love to minister first. But they also know that they have to, quote, play the game in order to get to where they want. And I know it's easy for a guy like me to critique the system because the system hasn't benefited me. And I'm sure all of us can think of people who have gotten into ministry that are the exception to this. I get it. I get it. It's not true of everybody. I understand that. All I'm trying to say is that I think this system is unbiblical, but we don't bat an eye at it because that's just the way it works. That's just the way we do things. The problem I am having is that I feel like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth. I have always wanted to be a pastor. I have had people speaking into my life since I was like seven, telling me that someday I would be a pastor. But I do not like this system. And if I continue down this path, I think I will be contributing to this system. So it was healthy for me to get back to the basics. I love Jesus. I love to study his word. I love to declare the teachings of his word to his people. And if that makes me a pastor, then okay, cool. I'm not chasing no American dream. I'm not I'm not doing it. I don't know where that leaves me at vocationally. I like I love caring for people and teaching them the word of God. So it makes the most sense to go down the pastoral route. I have considered, I've had some people more recently, since my preaching ministry and they have heard my style, I've had more people speak to me about looking into maybe being like a Bible teacher at a Christian school or a professor at a college or seminary. For a college or seminary, I would still have to address the education part. I would still have to continue my education. But there would be that, and that I do like that idea. I think it would be fun to do something like that. There's also this whole world of content creating, which let me just, I hate the word content. It is so overused. But there's this world of content creating too. I've got the podcasts, i got the TikToks. I have other ideas to continue to grow this world. You can make a living off of this if you really try hard and can build an audience. But six years ago when I was in college, like even in 2015, like influencing and being a content creator, that wasn't really so much. a That wasn't really a thing as much. That was really like for actual celebrities to do. Now, basically anyone who's really good on a Twitch stream can be a content creator and make loads of money. But that's a possibility now, too. I don't know. This is something that I'm honestly sitting in and wrestling with a lot anymore. But I love Jesus. I love studying his word. I love teaching that word and encouraging and ministering to my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. So I'm going to keep doing that. I don't know what that might look like, but I am i have to keep the main thing, Jesus, and the caring for the souls of others. So that was a major rabbit trail. That was a major detour to kind of get back to this whole, where we're at, of my testimony, my call to ministry, and a little bit of an encouraging word And maybe also something to give you all to think about. But what's your story? What path does God have you on on your journey? Let me know by commenting on the link wherever you may have found this on social media. If you would like to keep up with the show and updates and everything going on, you can go like our brand new Facebook page. Hey, I actually took care of something in a timely manner this time. Yes, there is a Facebook page now. However, the Facebook and search My Seminary Life. The profile picture will definitely be the logo for the show as well. And hit that big blue thumb. So that way you can stay up to date on every Friday. I do a video preview of what's coming out on Saturday. I'm also, I think it's going to be on Wednesdays. Is going to be retro day where I share the link to a past episode. So that way if you missed an episode or want to revisit an old favorite, you can with some other updates going on there. You can also DM me on there, or you can leave us a voice message on our profile on Anchor. That would be really cool to hear what you all have to say about the show or the episode. Or you can follow me. I'm on TikTok and Instagram at just.brandon.k. That is K as the letter K. You can follow me on there to keep up with other weird things that I do. As always, please rate and review this show on whatever platform that you are listening to and encourage someone you know to check out the show if you think it will be an encouragement to them. We're available on Anchor, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts, Breaker, Radio Public, and Pocket Casts. And that is it for this week's episode. Went a little long today, but I had a lot to say. Come back next week where we'll be continuing this topic by going way back to freshman year of high school. That's right. Right circa 2009, 2008, somewhere around there. As I revisit what I consider to be. My First Sermon. Thanks for listening. I'm Brandon Knight. Keep on studying.